question what was i placed on earth here for it truly was years ago one of my when i was in school my favorite topic uh, is is and was eschatology eschatology fancy word for things to come I just love, it's been said about 30% of the Bible is prophetic. Of that percentage, 50% has been fulfilled. The 50% of the prophecy of the Bible that has been fulfilled has been fulfilled literally. Literally. In a normal reading, a normal sense was fulfilled literally. Why wouldn't the other half be fulfilled literally that has not yet been fulfilled? Most of the prophecy has been fulfilled was around the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, the life of Christ. And the, uh, the the what he would do here, and then and then uh, the the coming back of Jesus, the second coming of Christ for the church. We look for the rapture for us is his second coming or his coming for us. Uh, if I may just call the coming for us the rapture of the church. I believe and I'm and I'm convinced by the way. And a lot of people have tried to try to pull me off of this, but uh, there's just too much scripture. There's too much too much biblical logic. Uh, I believe Jesus is coming back at the beginning before the tribulation, actually before the tribulation period. And uh, he is going to rapture his church out. Partially, there's so many reasons, and I've preached sermons on it, six reasons for the rapture, etc. One of the main ones is that God will not judge the righteous with the wicked. And that's old truth. That's old truth. That goes back to, to Lot and Abraham. Abraham knew things about God though he did not have a written Bible that we know of. The Bible was not written down until Moses, and that was the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. And so about 1446, 1406, in that period of time somewhere, Usher, I go along with the time frame of James Usher. But they didn't have a written Bible. It was, it was God came to them and talked to them, and they had, I think they had fabulous memories. I think all of them probably in that period had time like had a memory like Grady McMurtry, uh, a photographic memory. What they read they kept, what they heard they kept, um, and, and it was able to be repeated accurately. And so God was able, I see, I don't believe in evolution. I believe in creation. I believe we've gotten dumber, not smarter. Things have, have run down. Doesn't he say that the creation's running down and he'll, he's going he's gonna to take it off like a garment? I mean, things are not getting better. Things are not getting the universe. Second, in fact, even science agrees with this with the second law of thermodynamics. You know that. I'm just getting you ready for Great Avery Mercury, which is coming up here the 16th of October, 16th, 17th, 18th. That's a month, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. You don't want to miss a service. Uh, he is an interesting. He is one of the smartest men I've ever been around um, as far as the area of creation goes. He, he knows... And he has a tremendous one-hour uh, lecture, sermon, whatever you want to call it, on the young earth. Maybe his best uh, whole area is that the earth is young. The earth is not old. I just saw a program uh, the other day, and it said, well, this is really young, 15,000 years old. I, think, I don't think anything they find is 15,000 years old. I think maybe what they find, I, I agree, that probably 6,000 years. That's it. That's as old as it is. And it's given the appearance of age by God, and he can do that. He has no problem. But I want to talk to you about tonight about the second part of the soon-coming unholy trinity. 
uh, found that in Revelation chapter 13. Uh, last week we did verses 1 through 10, the beast out of the sea. I'm not going to repeat myself. And so we're going to go right into the beast out of the earth in verses 11 through 18. I'm not going to read that all at once. I will read them as we go. I'll make some comments as we go on this. And I speak about the unholy, the soon coming unholy trinity. The devil has always wanted to duplicate what God has done, to substitute it, to duplicate it, to change it, to thwart it. He wants to show that he's bigger, badder, smarter, more persuasive than God. As one of his lessons, one of his desires, if he could have got Jesus to, to uh, do any of what he attempted him in, in Matthew 4, uh, uh, he would have been a vic victor of victors and been able to look at God and the Father in the face and say, I am what I said I was, <clears throat> and I'm going to rise up into your throne, above your throne, and indeed declare himself to be God. What a blasphemy for a created being to go to his creator and say that. He, had, he, he was found with pride, the sin of the devil, of course, pride. What's our problem? Pride. Man, everybody, about, about a, I'm not, I don't know if I can give a percentage to it, but most of our trouble has, you can trace it back to your pride. Uh, wherever there's contention, there's, there's pride. And I mean, you just, you just trace stuff back. Pride is somewhere around. Uh, we struggle with pride. We are creatures of pride. And if you say you're not proud, you're proud when you say that. You know, I feel find humble people say they're proud, and proud people say they're humble. It's just opposite of what you think. There's a lot of people that are proud of their humility. I'm more humble than you are. I'm, I'm way more humble than you are. You know, basically, we're saying I'm better than you in, in another lingo. So let me read the first couple of verses, make a couple of comments about this uh, beast out of the earth. And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, and, had, and it spake as a dragon. And he exercised all, not a little bit, all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed, I believe, from what I taught and the language and uh, in that passage, I believe that that was a wound unto death, a wound that would cause death, a deadly wound, a wound that would cause death and that, that was healed miraculously. So who is this? The beast out of the sea, I believe, is a representative, and that's the first beast we talked about in the first ten verses, is representative of the world's political power talking about the kings of the earth and political power. And but so this beast out of the uh, earth, the one out of the sea is the political power. The one out of the earth here, I believe, represents the world's religious power. Religion is the second greatest power in the earth. Evil human nature seems to, if I may put it this way, must have a religion. The word religion means to bind. Christianity really means to set free. I don't like to refer to Christianity as a religion. It bothers me. People say, what religion are you? I say, well, I'm independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Baptist, the book, the blood, the blessed hope, and a couple other things. Uh, but I don't like to refer to religion because Christ sets you free from the bondage. Because if you look at religions, 95% has been said of all religions. 
are works-based religions, meaning you somehow have to work into the favor of the God that they say that you that exists. You have to sacrifice your things for them. You have to give things. You have to uh, go on your knees, uh, suffer, uh, lash yourself, uh, go through periods of, of self-denial. And in some, maybe, maybe like the Incas or the May, Mayans or some of those down there would sacrifice uh, their own kind and humans, uh, their babies, their children, their girls. Uh, they found evidences of all of that human sacrifice going on. Uh, to appease what? Their God. But to appease what about their God? The anger of their God. One thing is common with religion is God's mad at you. And you are not in any good shape to see him. And so if you'll, the religions are created, basically individual religions are created in some way or another, I'll tell you how you can appease uh, God that made you or whatever, and, and then somehow when you're there, maybe he'll take your good works, bad works here, and I mean, we go door to door for all these years, and I ask people, if you died, would you go to heaven? They'll say many times, 90% of them say yes. I say, well, why would you go to heaven? Well, I've tried to be good. I've tried to keep the Ten Commandments, and it's just the same deal. It's works, work. I'm, I, you know, I've been a good Roman Catholic, a bad Roman Catholic, part of Roman Catholic. I've joined the Roman Catholics, but I never go. Somehow or another, I'm going to get to go to heaven. And, and, and then no mention of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and then, God forbid, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they don't mention. They don't mention uh, salvation by grace because that's not what they're talking about because the world religion has to do with binding them under a works-based religion. Uh, they need a God, and they make a God like unto themselves. I preach a whole sermon on making God in your own image. Uh, that is done everywhere. In fact, even among Christians that are ignorant of Scripture or have maybe just started in the Christian faith and are ignorant of Scripture, but one way or another, they're ignorant of Scripture, they will make God in their image until they learn better. You know what I mean. You give them a break until they learn better because they don't know who God is, and, and, and they have a perception of who God is, and they make an image of who God is. Like, you know, they, they, would, uh, they would say, well, a loving God would never send anybody to hell. How many ever heard that? That, that's a lie propagated everywhere, everywhere you go. Why, a loving God would never send it. If I go to the Bible and describe to you the horrors of hell, it should shake you. It should shake you. I mean, it should shake you to your bones. And then when I describe to you that it's not just for a 10,000-year period or a 20,000-year period or a 50,000-year period, the Bible says there is no end to it. And then it really begins to go down into you, and you say, you got to be kidding. You mean this kind of suffering with this kind of agony forever and ever and ever, and what wants to pop up into your mind is a good God, could a good God do that? And you begin to be the judge of God all of a sudden. And to be a judge, you got to be above somebody. Isn't that interesting? That's our pride, the sin of the devil. You get above God, you begin to say, hey, I'm judging the situation. I don't think you're a good God. And I've had old ladies, sweet old ladies. I mean, they look so sweet. I mean, they look like Krispy Kreme. And they, they look at me and say, oh, hon, I don't believe a good God would send anybody to hell. And I tell them, look, it's not about what I think. It's not about what you think. You made God in your own image. Because quote me a Bible verse. Quote me some book you go to. Quote me some authority other than you just believe that 
to justify what you just told me. And they can't. Well, it's just, I just know. Well, wait a minute, you just know. Where do you get this inherent knowledge from? Well, I don't know. I just know. Then by the time they slam the door and throw you out. But anyway. Three times, this beast, this one out of this beast out of the uh, earth, is referred to as a false prophet. In chapter, we're not going to turn to it because of time. But in chapter sixteen, verse thirteen, he's referred to as a false prophet. In chapter nineteen, verse twenty, he's referred to as a false prophet. In chapter twenty, verse ten, he's referred to as a false prophet. Ellis, so I'm going down. This is the first two verses. I have verse eleven. We're going to do a verse 11 through 18. I just did verse 11 and 12. Let's go to verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. If you don't like frogs, I can understand it. Come out from the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Uh, uh, the the, the uh, liberal theology that did not take the Bible in a literal, normal sense, they take it in a, a symbolic or allegorical sense. They try to make the beast and the false prophets some sort of a world system. In other words, like a corporation is a non-person, they say. You, you accountants, you understand. Non-person, you're a corporation. But, I, but that's not the way. It, it can't be that way because it uses, uh, you can't judge a system individually. Like, this, like the beast is going to be judged and like the false prophet is going to be judged. This, this beast, this person... This human being uh, called the false prophet in other places here, the beast out of the earth, uh, is, a, is a human being that has been given power by the dragon. And who is the dragon? We know from other places in Scripture. The dragon, I believe in, in Revelation 12, 9, he's that old serpent, the devil. He's got 14 different names in Scripture. We know who we're talking about. So the, the, uh, the dragon is the is the is the the um, serpent, or he's the one that tempted Eve. He's the, he is the, the one with all the power. He gives his power unto the beast out of the sea, which is the beast. And then we, we studied that first 10 verses. And then from verse 11 to 18, the beast out of the earth, the called the false prophet, he gives him power to do all the miracles that the first beast was given. The dragon, interestingly, is he kind of stays behind the scenes. Why? He's a spirit. Are not angels ministering spirits, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1. So the Satan is a spirit, and he cannot manifest himself and operate in this physical dimension. He needs somebody to do it for him. And so he empowers this human being, uh, which we're going to call, the Bible calls the beast, and then he empowers this other human being, the false prophet, to do his bidding. But he, according to the Bible, is behind them all. Boy, that makes sense. This unholy trinity clicked on me when the first time I read through this. I think the, 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 the devil, the dragon, he uh, represents the father. The beast, he represents the son. The false prophet, because the false prophet, as you're going to see in this passage, he gives glory to the beast. And so the false prophet, as the Holy Spirit in this world, gives glory to Jesus how do you know the Holy Spirit's been someplace? He gives glory to Jesus. A lot of these Pentecostal churches, they got it wrong. They talk Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. You ought to be talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If, if you want to fulfill the Holy Spirit's ministry, you're going to be talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And what he's done, you're going to be bragging on Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will be there. But he likes to be in, in the background at, at the, as far as being recognized. But this false prophet is the consummate false prophet among many, many false prophets. Jesus said there would be, after him would come many Christs, many false prophets. But this man is not just a false prophet. He is the consummate false prophet. He's the representative of every false prophet out there. He is the best of them. He represents them all. His power to, to deceive is so great that he almost can deceive the very elect. Matthew chapter 24, 24, describes the tribulation period there. It says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch, these are Jesus' words, that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. So imagine somebody without the Holy Spirit has no chance. They have no chance. Are they going to believe? They will believe. But they're also going to believe because God says in Thessalonians, just to make sure of it, he's going to send them that do not believe so, a strong delusion that they believe not a lie, but the lie. The lie what? That this guy, this beast, is God manifest in the flesh with a wound, a daily wound unto death that has been healed. Interesting. The parallel the saints drawn here between Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, Him coming and dying and then being resurrected. You know, the wound unto death. And Interesting. Politics and religion uh, combined together are a deadly duo, the companions of crime. Thus, they're necessary uh, they necessarily both uh, are to be present there. So what precedes uh, the coming of this uh, antichrist or uh, false prophet or beast, uh, any of them? Second Thessalonians lists some major things as well as First and Second Timothy, Second Peter. So first, if you want the verses, Second Peter or Second Timothy, chapter three, verses one through six. Second Peter, chapter three, verses three through four. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 through 39 gives a specific and very accurate description of these people. There must be a falling away before all of this happens. Now, what is a falling away? Apostasia. It is you have to have something before you lose it, right? Jesus said, when I come back to earth, will I find faith on the earth? Does that seem strange to you? Seems strange to me. Uh, there's going to be a, 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 beside the rapture of the church, which takes every born-again Christian, a Christian out immediately, and for maybe a few seconds, there's not one born-again Christian in the whole world. There's nobody with the knowledge of God, and then somebody gets saved, somebody gets saved, somebody gets saved, somebody gets saved. But they're going to be babies. They're going to be brand-new saved people with very little knowledge of the Word of God. They're probably going to try to find our Bibles that we left behind. By Scatter Bibles everywhere. Put them everywhere. They're going to want to find some Bibles, brother. They're going to be interested in finding the Bible. They're going to come and look for the church and look for the preachers. They're gone. What's going on? They're going to look for us. But it, there's going to be a falling away. The Bible says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I believe that is uh, not just of the rapture period, but also of actually of the, uh, of the second coming too. And so 
the days of Noah, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage, uh, they were doing business, things were going along fairly normal. Then all of a sudden the flood came. And all of a sudden came. And you know, this world's going on like always. In fact, it says in the last times there's going to be mockers. And they're going to say, you know, you guys have been talking about this second coming. You've been talking about the rapture. Nothing's happened now over 2,000 years. What in the world? You know that's all fairy tale stuff and passed down. It's pie in the sky. It's dream world. It's not going to happen. That's the kind of talk you hear before the door shuts on the ark. And the waters come down as it were. Well, you say, Brother Bill, what about these wonders, wonders of this, of this false prophet? Well, in keeping with the duplicating nature of the unholy trinity, these wonders, these miracles abound. Uh, the, he does great wonders, it says in verse 13. He makes fire to come down from heaven to the earth publicly, in front of the TV cameras. In front. Let me say that. you you got these miracle workers today, and it always seems to be mysterious. They, they do some sort of miracle, but it's never, never documentable. It's never uh, by, by, by the skeptics I'm talking about, by the people who don't believe. Let them come in. Let them document. Brother, when Jesus did miracles, the guy had no eyes from birth. He got eyes. He was able. The guy never walked from the time he was born. He got to walk. Everybody around him in the neighborhood said, I know that man. I know when he was born. I know he was blind. And I know he sees now. Well, I mean, it, the miracles Jesus did, you don't have to guess because God's not trying to hide himself from you, really. And so these miracles that this beast and this false prophet do, they're going to be real miracles with an intention to deceive because they're going to do these miracles and say, we, in the case of the beast, he is God. He is God. You know, they wrote a book a long time ago in the 70s about mm, Chariots of the Gods. How many remember that old book? Chariots of the Gods. Yeah, Chariots of the Gods. Some guy theorized that we have been planted on this planet by space people and allowed to grow. They've been watching too much Star Trek, too much Star Wars. Uh, by the way, you people, you Star Wars fans, you do know that's fiction, right? You do know that's vain imaginations of men, the Bible called. Don't spend, don't spend too much time there. And, 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 and they're going to say, and would it make sense if there was a rapture? Boom. Massive amounts of people, millions of people all of a sudden gone. No real explanation. And then God sends strong delusion. The beast comes up and he says, well, I'm really your God. I planted you here. To prove it, fire lightning, and, and more. The false prophet is going to give life to the beast, verse 14. Going to give life to the image of the beast. Not the beast, but the image of the beast. Now, there's been people that want to say that's not real life. I don't know why sometimes Bible commentators want to pull back from what the Bible says. It says he gives life. The word pneuma, breath, animation, spirit, the word means life. Uh, he makes an image and gives life to it. Now, it would be impressive to me as a skeptic if, if somebody was able to, like Frankenstein, or was it Frankenstein, make a body and give life. You, is that a new idea? 
in the, when, they, when did they make Frankenstein? 30s, 40s, I think back in the 30s and 40s. They were thinking about taking body parts, sewing them all together, putting all the vascular parts together, zapping them with electricity, lightning, and boom, this big, oh. I always liked the Bride of Frankenstein, how she screamed. Ah! Oh, wait a minute, whatever. Had that blonde, she had that blonde thing down the middle of her hair there. He's going to give light. He's going to do something is so big, so unusual, never been done before. Folks, don't minimize what's going to, what's described here in, in Revelation, what's described in the other parts of the Bible. The beast is going to do something that those the skeptics of skeptics, is our world skeptical or what? They're skeptical about everything. And, but he's going to do something that, that's why he said if it wouldn't be, he almost could deceive the very elect this is going to be so good. Going to give life in the beast. Power to speak. This beast, this uh, image of the beast, have power to speak. You have somehow power to kill those who don't comply. Why are his miracles called lying wonders? Well, they're wrought for the purpose of supporting lies. They are real, I believe. They're a satanic demonstration of his power and miracles over nature. Uh, if you may go back to Matthew 4 and Jesus being transported and, and seeing all the powers of the world, tell me that isn't tell me that isn't supernatural. Tell me that's not impressive. And he transports Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple. Now, that was before beam me up, Scotty. You know what I mean? That was before the thought even came into the guy who wrote uh, Star Trek that you could you could molecularly take somebody from this place and put them over to the, and regather them over this place. And, and you say, well, the Bible says what it says. He was the pinnacle of the temple. It says, cast yourself off, and the angels will catch you. And he said, make this stone bread. That's transformation of matter. It sounds like this sounds like this sounds like uh, it sounds like space odyssey, doesn't it? The beast, the false prophet, they're going to be able to do that. That's going to be a reality. It's not going to be fiction. And imagine how the world's going to say, "Oh, finally, finally, our Savior has come." Because are we in a mess? And and, and the more mess this thing gets into, the riper. It becomes for a Savior. Because at this point, they have rejected Jesus Christ as the Savior. They've rejected the Holy Spirit. They've rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've rejected the Bible. These people that are left in majority, there will be people saved as the sand of the sea in that period of time. There will be a lot of folks saved. There will be some Jews saved, etc. But the people, the vast majority of the people, the rest of the world, they're going to, they're going to finally say, finally, a Savior has come. Look at verse 16. Let's read verse 16. What about the mark of the beast? Because that's asked a lot. Verse 16 through 18. And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he that, mark, uh, that have the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for is the number of a man, his number is 600, six, uh, three score, and six, 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 six. I think this is hidden. People try to explain, they go to great lengths about this 666. I think it's hidden in plain sight. 
My take on this is that these numbers are just what they are. Six, six, six. I don't think it's some barcode. I don't think it's some super code. I just think it's going to be six, six, six. Makes sense. Man, number of man is six. There's a whole unholy trinity. Father, son, and replacement Holy Spirit. There's the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Six, six, six. Why not? Why not? The Nazi, the Nazis, which definitely weren't from God, they had a swastika that they used to mark their people, right? Um, the communists, they have their symbol, which marked their people, right? The Islamics have their crescent moon and think they got their mark that they marked their people with. The Christians, we have our cross, which we're identified with. If you see a cross, you say Christian. You don't know what kind, but you just do that. As God seals his servants, so Satan seals his servants. You see, there's duplication, item for item, uh, between this war between the devil and God. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 says, Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit? We've been sealed by God. Maybe you didn't know that, but you have been. You have God's mark upon you. Revelation chapter 7, verse 3. Saying hurt uh, when uh, when God's talking to the, this angel going down in in the uh, seal judgments, He says, "Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads." So by that time, there's already saved people uh, in the earth, and God says, "Don't whoa 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 don't don't start judging yet. We want to go down and seal them. They don't have the mark of the beast. No 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 no." They've been sealed by God. The six is the number of man, the days of creation of man. It's an ultimate insult to God when a person commits himself to this unholy trinity and believes it indeed is the true trinity, the God of all that is. This is the end purpose, I believe, of Satan. He wants to be recognized as God. He wants to be recognized as the God to prove he can deceive the world into believing that he is God more than God himself can, can, can convince the world that he is God. The contest, and there is a contest. He, I, I, by the way, uh, he tries to prove the world he's God, not Jehovah God. Jehovah God is not God. He wanted to be like God from the beginning. He wanted to ascend above his throne from the beginning. And now he is there to prove his abilities. Uh, and he has the whole world pretty much behind him, believing him, and it's, he's, if you don't believe it, they've been sealed because I believe it's going to come down to this. When you take that mark of 666 on the hand or forehead, you're going you're you're to have to make a commitment. Do you believe that this man, this beast, I'm not sure they're going to call him the beast. They're probably going to have a name for have a name of such. But they're going to say that the Bible calls him the beast. Do you believe that such and such here is God? I mean, the God, no other God. You know, the Islamics do this now. They do this. By the way, when Islamic does this, that is not what we believe one way. That means just one God, and it's Allah. Which Obama, going by them on a, on a platform, did the one finger to them. Just started mentioning it. The brand mark. Will you believe, and will you commit yourself to this man as God? And they're going to say yes. Then they'll put a mark in the back of their hand or mark in the forehead. 
and they'll be able to buy and sell and trade and do business because they're a loyal subject. But here, but God, ooh, God don't like that. Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 through 11, let me read. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in their forehead or his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixtures, not, in other words, it's not lightened, into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest. There was a time in my life I God took my sleep away. How many here have ever suffered much from insomnia? Let me, let me see how we get a head count. You know what it is to suffer. Man, I did not realize what it was. I did not realize how serious it was not being able to sleep. Your mind's working. Your body's exhausted. You try to lay down. Your mind is... You get back up. You drink some milk. Drink hot milk, cold milk, medium milk. You pour milk on you. You memorize scripture. You quote scripture. You pray. This is what Christians do now. The world gets them some... Jack Daniels, uh, Jim Beam, and they start guzzling that stuff and try to force themselves. They take drugs like Michael Jackson, taking drugs that they use for surgery. That's how bad off he was. Killed him. I believe the same thing probably happened to that Prince guy. No sleep. No sleep. No sleep. I can say one thing. I get chills down my spine when I read this passage. They have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast in his image, whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Never is big. Never is big. Man, I wouldn't wish my worst enemy this. Hell motivates me. Hell Keeps me on the firing line. When I should be in some Bermuda shorts, and boy, if you haven't seen nothing, do you see me in Bermuda shorts? Playing, playing uh, shuffleboard down at the old folks' home, 55 and over park. You know, my biggest concern is, will I make it in time for shuffleboard today? Nobody's coming to me and telling me their problems and how are you going to save our marriage and all that other stuff. No, no. Although the biggest question I got is, when's lunch? Should I eat a salad or do you think I should have some chicken today? I'm going to tell you what keeps, what keeps me motivated from 18 years old to today is a place called hell. And I don't want anybody to go there. Anybody to go there that I bumped into. Anybody, I like Andrea's getting a burden and had a burden now. Ask God to help some. Let me say, you say, I haven't let anybody to Jesus start asking. You'll get your list. I remember a girl in, in our church uh, said I hadn't let anybody to Christ. I've told this over and over. And I promised her I would. 
And she said, uh, I haven't led anybody to Christ. I said, you get a list. You start asking God to lead you to somebody to give the gospel to. And she led two people to Christ that year. Able to give the gospel multiple times. She couldn't believe it. She's like, wow, you mean to tell me this is all that stood in between me and doing this? Is I didn't want to ask. I said, that's it. You, you receive not because you what? Asking you shall. Knocking it shall be. In other words, part of why we don't get what we really need is we won't get before God and ask Him for it. Not always. Not always. This place. If people receive the mark of the beast, by the way, the Bible has a special category for those folks because God knows the beginning and the end. And he said their names were never put in the Lamb's Book of Life. Everybody else's name seems to be being placed in the Lamb's Book of Life, and if they don't believe in Jesus, their name's blotted out. That's my take on it. Uh, but this, these people here that take the mark of the beast, they, they, they never had their name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And, and they, 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 God knew, for, he, didn't, he didn't determine that they do that. But he knew ahead of time that that would happen. That that given us that that's what they were going to do, folks. God is merciful to us. There is a there is a soon coming of an unholy Trinity that's going to release his venom upon this old world, and twenty one massive judgments from Almighty God are going to be poured out upon this place, where I believe about three quarters of the population of this world are going to be destroyed. We need to be Christians. We need to stand now. We need to talk to people about Jesus now. We need to share our faith now. One guy said, what are you going to do, send them to hell number two, hell number three? They're already going to hell. Well, they make them upset. Okay. I can't tell you how many people told me they heard somebody. My mother was one of them. My mother went in a grocery store, and I'll end with this. And uh, old boy in a grocery store. He said, Lorraine, my mother was a self, somewhat of a self-righteous woman. She was moral when she got married, you know, virgin when she got married, and, and she always held that in high esteem, you know, that that was really fabulous. And, uh, uh, you know, she um, went to check out her groceries, and this old boy, his name was Snyder. And Mr. Snyder, who owned a grocery store, said, uh, Lorraine, if you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. That's, that's kind of a short version, but that's what he told her. She got extremely upset. My mom had a temper. Wow. She was an old Swede German. And she had a temper and a foul mouth. And she told him off and said, how dare you tell me I'm lost. I'm as good as you are. And all this other stuff slammed out of there. Now, now people today would go, you've ruined the girl for life. You've sent her to hell. You, 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 you've, just, you've sealed her. Bunch of wimps. My mother could not shake it. She couldn't shake it. She went home thinking, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. What was that? It was the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, Mr. Snyder gave a little ammunition for the Holy Spirit to use. And so he kept going over that and over that and over that. My mom got saved not long after that got saved. When she got saved, she went back to Mr. Snyder and said, thank you for caring enough about me to tell me that if I didn't get saved, I'd go to hell. Whoa! How many here got saved in some way or another because of teaching on hell? Raise your hand. Over, over half. Let's not, let's not water hell down. Let's not, let's not eliminate it. Let's not quit talking about it because every modern 
church building, mega church building seminar tells you you got to quit talking about that stuff or nobody will come. Listen, they don't need to come. We need to go to them. Just like Andrea is. Go to them. We're not asking unsaved people to really come here. This is not a time of soul winning tonight. I'm not talking to lost people tonight. I'm talking to saved people. This is time for you and me to get edified, to get built up, so that we can go out in that world and preach the gospel to every creature. You, you can get saved here at the gospel, but it ain't easy. Father, help us tonight. We ask the Holy Spirit would come, explain this, this soon coming unholy trinity. Oh, Father, we pray that we would talk to our relatives, talk to our lost relatives, lost friends, lost people, that we've maybe hesitated and we've somehow excused out of the way. But may, may the Holy Spirit help us to prudently, honestly, compassionately tell them that they need Jesus and they're lost. Warn the wicked of his wicked way. Father, give us the courage to do it. Help us like uh, help our people like Andrea make a list. Pray for them. Save these folks. Father, I believe everybody in the gospel had them a little short list of ten people to be saved. I think we'd we'd see baptisms probably every week. Because you want to save folks more than we want to save them. May Father it be so. Revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. In Jesus' name we pray. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.